You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and boy, do we have a show for you right now. We're going to be talking about the film Snowtime, also the Grammy nominees for the Children's Grammys, and Zoolander 2. Right now, I have Samantha and Morgan talking about the animation film Snowtime. Thank you very much for being on the show, guys. Samantha, let's start with you. Tell us a little about what Snowtime is, because it is a Sundance film, and I haven't heard about it until I was going to talk about the radio show. When I saw some features, it looks like a fun animated film, so tell us about it what your first impressions were. Well, Snowtime is an animated film based on the original story, The Dog Who Stopped the War. I think that's the name of it. I'm not sure the exact name. I enjoyed it a lot. It's about these group of kids that it's winter break for them and they decide to like play a little game. But my one of my first impressions about the movie was interest, I guess. Very interested in the first few minutes of the movie. I mean, the animation was very different from anything I've ever seen before. And the music that played in the beginning and just like the characters really brought me into the movie in the first few minutes so yeah i wish we had snow time here in california but if wishes were horses so um morgan tell us about what you thought of the film i thought this film was really cute and adorable like the animation was just so much fun uh if you like literally added a character for like everybody you would probably like be so happy because it was a cute storyline except i'd had two problems with it number one they had a love story between the two people who were in the war and these two kids like had a love story but they didn't continue it like they just ended it and cut it off so we had no idea what happened to that and number two this is supposed to be a really kitty film and it's supposed to be really cute and adorable and the ending was just really sad i'm not giving any spoilers and so like i kind of felt pretty much sad and just wanted to cry my eyes out instead of like laughing and giggling like you usually should after a kid's film so eh. it was cute though if you really minus those two problems and like add it on or change those i think it would have been a great film in general i loved it well there's always going to be a few things that you may want to nitpick about and talk about films but no film is perfect i mean you can always nitpick a film to death and say it's terrible you mentioned the animation and when i saw the trailer for this i saw it had a storybook style to it with the dotted eyes and it looked adorable so samantha talk tell us about what you thought about the animation like you said the animation did have dotted eyes and at the same time it was realistic and kind of abstract and that's what i really liked about it too it was a mix between them it wasn't too realistic and it wasn't too cartoonish so that's something that was really different about the movie, something they enjoyed a lot. Also, I noticed in the movie, they had little flashbacks, kind of. And instead of using regular animation or, like, another different color for it, like they usually do in different movies, it was sketch animation. It wasn't It wasn't 3D animation. It was almost like it was drawn. And that's something that really interested me. And I enjoyed that. Oh, so they, they drew the characters out first and then they sieged it? Or CGI'd it? Or is it not CGI at all? The, some of the characters had little flashbacks. And when they did, it was like sketch drawing. It wasn't 3D animation. Oh, I see how it comes. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, I do miss those sketch kind of um, transitions. Something like Kung Fu Panda 2 did. They had in flashbacks, they had sketch drawings for the flashbacks and back to CG for the radio story. But that's good. Yes. So Morgan was telling somebody about the ending. Like it was too sad. Like it was, it didn't fit the emotional tone for the rest of the film, it sounds like. Did, do you agree with that, Samantha? Um, well, I do agree that the ending was sad, but throughout the film, it was kind of this whole emotional roller coaster. So I think that even though it was sad, at the same time, it kind of matched in with the rest of the film. The ending was really sad. I can agree with that. No, we won't give it. We won't give it away, though. We, we're going to keep it. Keep the audience in the mystery. Now. I heard we were talking about the music in this film. So, Morgan, what did you think about the music? The music was really catchy and upbeat, and, like, it really matched the scenes. So, I really liked that. And I think the animation was really cute, and I agree that it was realistic. I agree with everything she said, and I really liked the way that they did the flashbacks, because that was really cool. But, like, one of my favorite animation scenes that they did was when they made the fort, this gigantic castle fort that was, like totally awesome and i really thought that was really cool because it looked like a giant castle but everybody kept on calling it a fort and it was like this is more of a castle but it was really really cool i would just love to live in there i would be like 
give me everything and be like, yes, this would just be so cool. I think we all like a snow castle. Yeah, they actually had like a ton of crazy gadgets and stuff, though. So we got to see like a ton of gadgets and they even had a little escape pod. And one of the girls who I absolutely loved was like, never surrender. And then she saw the little escape pod and she was like, ooh, escape pod, let's go. (laughs) And I thought that was really funny. So I get that. It was really funny. Funny and sad. Combination. Yeah, that's why I think it was good for older generations as well as younger generations and audiences because there's a lot of different animation and it's funny for people who like comedy and it's a little sad for people who like dramas. So there's yep. like a piece of pie for everything in there. And this, and like I said, they have a great storyline. So that way adults and older kids will enjoy it just as much as the little kids will for the colorful animation and that. It's nice to have a variety of audiences. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and we're talking about Snowtime, Beauty and the Beast Live, Zoolander 2, and the Grammy nominees for the Children's Album Grammys. Now, we're going to continue our conversation with Samantha Morgan about Snowtime. Now, I feel like the concept for this is pretty creative because it's about aging an epic snowball fight and... I think we all kind of want to dream of that. Even if you don't have live in the snow, it would be amazing if we could just have like a big snowball fight, especially if you live in California. You kind of envy that. So, Samantha, I'll start with you. If you were in an epic snowball fight, what would you do? Like, what would be your strategy? I think my strategy would be similar to what they did. They attacked without letting the other team knowing. It was kind of a secret attack. And also, they had a lot of protection like building that big fort. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be very similar to what they did. And I can take a lot of inspiration from this movie. Okay. So this is also kind of like a, an American or Canadian guide to snowball fighting. So you want, if you want to stage an epic snowball fight, check out this film. Now, Morgan, this is a film of snow time. Did it remind you any much? A little bit like frozen? I know it's a strange question, but just curious. You know what? I actually think that it did. It, the little ice castle kind of reminded me of when she went on to a rampaging tangent and was like, I'm building this castle and living here. I like buying guards and stuff. Except like these kids did not have magical ice powers to do that. So they actually had to work together. That'd be a totally different film. Yeah, otherwise it would be, like, basically, like, Frozen's brother. And then, like, make another sister or something. That'd be really funny if they could make number two like that. Because I heard they're making a second one. They are? So, yeah, they're supposed to. Did they announce what story, what it's going to be about, the second one of this film? Um, no, I'm talking about Frozen number two. Oh, Frozen number two. I'm sorry. We're talking, I thought we were talking about Snow and, like, Snow to a sequel? Cool. No, that would be awesome, though. And I really do hope that they make a sequel and more other sequels because that would be really cool. So I would really like that. Now, uh, Samantha, this film, it seems to be set in the wartime and it's about kids staging an epic snowball fight. There is, seems to be some drama in that. So I understand it's sad. Besides the ending, what does he tell us about the drama in this film, specifically from the kids' point of view? Well, the drama was very intense considering the whole war part. The war was kind of created with drama. And what really triggered the war was drama between the kids and not just people that lived in the town. Also, the people that moved in started drama before even really knowing anybody. So the drama was very intense in this movie. But at the same time, it added to the whole storyline of the movie and the whole flow of the movie. So it all worked out. And Morgan, do you want to add anything on to that? Um, beg your pardon? Would you like to add on to the drama in the film? Yes, Because the flashbacks are actually quite sad. And the reason why they started this war is because this little boy had a bugle that his dad gave him before he died in the war, which is really sad. And that, I thought, like, really made me cry up. So bring a box of tissues if you, like, cry easily like me. And it was really sad. But it was also a bit happy, like I said. So piece of cake for everything. And it was also really cute and adorable at the same time. So... I think that everybody would like this. Well, let's talk about, let's get off the sad train, shall we? And go on to the comedy in this film, because snowball fights, I feel like that's a good opportunity for slapsticks. So let's talk about the comedy in this film. Samantha? The comedy in this film was, there was a lot of reoccurring comedy in this film, besides all the drama and sadness that went on. They did a lot of trash talking in the war that they were having. They did a lot of trash talking, and that was very funny to see. It was also very funny to see how they reacted to each other, especially when they when one team attacked against the other team. It was funny to see how they reacted. Also, yeah, like I said, the reactions and the trash talking were very funny things that happened in the movie that added on to the humor. I agree with that a lot. I'll say my opinion, too, because it was really funny. Part of the reason 
of why this was such a great war and stuff is because they were friends and they kind of needed to remember like, okay, we need to remember that we're still friends and they would basically argue and fight and stuff. And then next thing you know, they kind of their friendship would start breaking apart and then they'd be like, wait, we're friends, not in this real war. What the heck? And then they would try to glue it back together. And the trash talking was actually pretty funny because they'd be like, never surrender. And they'd throw ice blocks at each other. And just one of them almost tried to put paintballs in the snowballs, which was pretty funny. And then they had like a giant war with that. And then the other people got mad from the other team. So that was pretty funny. And the gadgets, yeah, and the gadgets were actually pretty funny, too, because they were made out of, like, junk, like, broken (laughs) springs and stuff, yet they still worked, which was pretty awesome. Little tiny MacGyvers, I see. Well, thank you very much, Morgan and Samantha, for talking about Snow Time. It's been a pleasure. This film is in theaters March 29th and coming out on DVD this fall. Uh, Before we go, actually, Samantha, what is the, how, what rating do you give this film? I would give this film four out of five stars. And Morgan, what's the age recommendation for this? I agree with the stars, and the age range I would say would be six and up because the ending is sad and there's a few sad moments. But it's also funny, so the younger kids would like it because it's colorful and it's cute and adorable. And the older kids would also like it because it is funny and it has a good storyline. Fantastic. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You by N Civil Entertainment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're a responsible person, and you're trying to do everything you can to save the planet. But are you doing enough? We've got the right person to help you keep on thinking green. Mario Jr. is the host of Alive and Green. The show is all about green tips, staying environmentally friendly, and having fun while doing something great for our Mother Earth. You'll want to check out the show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. If we all do our part now, it'll only mean a brighter and better future for us later. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kiss First Coming Attractions. We were talking about the new animated film, Snow Time, and we're going to have a little change of plans tonight. Right now, we're going to talk to Morgan about the new IMAX film, 
National Parks Adventures. So, Morgan, did you enjoy this film? Yes, I really, really enjoyed this film. It was really, really cool. And we also got to see beautiful national parks and the animate. The choreography and the scenery was just so beautiful. Like, I really thought that I could just put myself, like, jump into the screen and be there, literally. Now, this movie is playing only on giant IMAX 8K screens. So how is that to, how is that experience like? Just being in it and seeing all the beautiful parks. How was that? That was actually really awesome and really breathtaking because the screen was so big. Like you literally thought you were there. And they had to use like one out of two in the entire world of these cameras that are like 300 pounds. And it was like so cool how they got to get those cameras up above the trees and on mountains and stuff. So that way we could get these gorgeous gorgeous views and it was really cool because i almost thought i was a little bird when they did the little flying scenes and stuff and we also got to see like the biggest trees in the world in the redwood forest which is in california to volcanoes in hawaii to the statue of liberty in new york to the national mall in dc in washington dc to be exact and we also got to see wyoming and devil's tower which was really cool and with many stops in between like this is what i call a great adventure so this film really does stand out bring its expectations up to national parks adventure now you mentioned several times about beautiful cinematography shots so can you tell us in general what is your opinion on the cinematography the cinematography was great i really thought that anybody could literally watch this because it was really wonderful cinematography for those who have not been to a national park and for those who have because there's like a ton of them so you actually got to see like quite a few which was really cool so even if you've been to one you could still like look at others and i absolutely loved one of my favorite scenes in this movie was probably when they went ice climbing on the frozen waterfall in pitcher rocks national park in michigan which was really cool because they had ice crystals and ice crystal room even. And like, if you saw the bottom of their shoes, if you looked really closely, their shoes like came at you because it was in 3D and it looked like shark teeth, like biting into an animal or something was like really awesome. And I was scared like somebody, somebody was going to slip. Luckily nobody did, but one of them had to, the girl climber actually had to stop and warm up her hands because her hands literally got frozen because it was so cold. And I don't think I could live in that cold climate. So I'm like applauding them like, good job for living there shooting and filming there for however long they did because that was like really cool and do remember sorry go ahead um i don't think i could ever do that though because i'm like one of those people who like lives in california i'm like i do not like the cold i like the warm sunny weather so i would be like okay i'm getting on like a thousand jackets here like a million scarves (laughs) i tend to agree with you on that and do remember that they didn't shoot this on some iphone they shot the on specially designed 300 pound cameras like morgan said that can't achieve this quality so that meant they have to carry all the uh equipment with that the cameras so it is really amazing how much effort they put in this film so you mentioned several different locations. They were at the National Mall, California Redwood, Volcanoes. Do you, What do you think your, is your favorite? Do you think your favorite is the uh, Ice Cave or do you think you have another favorite? I would say the Ice Cave and the Penguins. We got to see this really cute little penguin statue that is in Utah, I think. And it was really cute. It was like just adorable because we got to see it and it was like these trio of penguins and they were like literally climbing and stuff. And it was like, I like literally would have scared myself to death if I had to do that because it was really high. And I would just be scared if I was going to slip the entire time. Like, what a slippery. I would just like freak out like, dude, save me and pull me up or something. Penguins are definitely very lovable. I love them so much. And it's very interesting to see them like in a while that they're not in a zoo or anything in the United States. So that's pretty interesting. Now, since this is a documentary all about national parks, did you learn any interesting facts you can share with us? Well, this is actually their 100th anniversary that we got to learn about during the Q&A that we got to see at the Science Museum, which was awesome. And we also got to talk about Teddy Roosevelt, who found the parks in 1916 and it is now 2016 so it's their 100th year anniversary like i said and that is actually part of the reason why they were going to bring this film out this year because they actually said that they were going to bring it out earlier but then they found out that it was going to be their 100th anniversary in like a year or two and they were like let's bring it out then because it was perfect timing that is definitely perfect timing i mean just coincidental now at this q a did you learn anything else about the film or how the film was made or did you meet anybody actually we did. I got to learn that 
They actually took two years to make this, and I thought it would take them way longer. And we also got to learn a ton of other cool facts. We got to be able to find out how long it took them to make the film and, like, what it was like making the film. And it was just really awesome that we got to talk to them in general because they did, like, a great job. So I want to say thank you so much for coming up with this film because it was, like, a great idea. And I think that they could even make more films because they've only went to a few of the national parks. So if they could do other films and go to other national parks, that would just be, like, great because then we could be able to see them, like, all of them. There's only, like, there's over... 200 destinations plus some more of national parks so if they could like do a few there's actually more than that there's 400 sorry about that there's 400 plus destinations and that would be like just really cool they could like show us all like a few in each movie and we got to see conrad anchor who is a world-renowned climber max lawi and rachel pole were our tour guides during this film so it was really cool how we got to like find out how their struggle was and you also got to see like a ton of animals and it was fun and the music was catchy and the views were just breathtaking so i really really liked that fact but i would have changed one thing is that it was a little bit too short actually it was only 40 minutes and i think they could have made it a little bit longer and added more parks or something or given us some more detail but because it was so short i would say that the age range is five and up because okay, yeah. like yeah there's a short age range and like it's not that long of a movie so the kids could like literally sit down and if they're good kids they can be able to sit down and watch this movie and see the little animals and just have a fun good time you're listening to kiss first coming attractions on the voice america kids network and today we will also talk about the grammy nominees zoolander 2 and we talked about snow time, but right now we're going to continue talking to Morgan about the beautiful and spectacular film National Parks Adventure. And what I really like about my Gilvery Freeman films, this is one of them, is that they're usually beautiful. They don't take long to make. They're smart. They're somewhat short. And they're meant for everybody. So I definitely agree with you, Morgan. It, would, it just looks like such a beautiful film. Now, Robert Redford, he was the narrator for the film. How did he do? He did a great job because we literally got to see, hear from him. And that was really cool that we got to hear his voice because it was really deep and masculine. So that was really cool that we got to hear that. And he was actually a really great person to do voiceover. So I really think that they made a good pick. Now, do you think this film was trying to teach any sort of moral about national parks or were they just trying to show the beautiful, spectacular scenery of national parks? Yes, it did have a moral. I think that it had a moral, and I think you're right about the other thing. I think it had a moral, though, was, like, go ahead and check out your national park, because my reason for that is, like, it's great weather. Here it is, actually, 85 degrees and 90 degrees in winter, no less, in February. And in Colorado, it's, like, 40 and 60 and, like, 20, and it's really cold. But it's, like, there's not a better time than now to go and see your national parks. And this is like a perfect year to go because it's their 100th year anniversary. And Theodore Roosevelt was the president who found them in 1916. So congratulations because he made a good choice of making national parks. And I think it was a great idea as well. Now, the story mainly follows three climbers, right? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Well... I thought they did a great job, and it was really cool how they had them like do all these fun things and climb on everything and do some biking even, which is like about five, ten minutes in the movie. But we got to see some bikings and stuff, and then hike, and it was just really cool how, how we got to see them do all these amazing stunts and stuff. And is there a main story in this film, or are they just showing different parks and the beautiful scenery and telling about the history of parks? Um, different parks, and also their adventure that they had through these parks. And is there a soundtrack in this film? I saw that there was a choreographer, so is there a soundtrack? And if there is, how is it? Yes, they did have a soundtrack. And I thought the soundtrack was great because they, like the music really fit the scene. Like They had dangerous music for when they were climbing and mountain biking. That kind of made me scared, though, because during the penguin music, when they were climbing the penguin mountain, they had like really scary music. And I was like, okay, somebody's going to slip, but like nobody did, so that's great. And I think that it really added a lot of awesome, great, scenery and it also added more effect so i really liked that and i would say the age range is five and up like i said because there's a lot of anime action and how many stars do you give this film out of five five out of five rock stars because like i said it's fast paced so you can sit through it and it's not like boring or anything because like they have adventure and it's really fun and beautiful and it was really great i just really think that they should make more of these films 
I definitely agree with you on that. Thank you so much for talking to me about National Parks Adventure. If you'd like more information about this film, you can go to nationalparksadventure.com. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And this show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You from Encircle Entertainment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon appetit! Looking for an on-air community where teens talk and the world listens? Tune in to Express Yourself, an entertaining adolescent fusion radio program where passion and possibility populate the airwaves. Our vivacious teen hosts and star-studded field reporters from around the country offer stimulating segments and invigorating viewpoints connecting with the world campus of young people. We'll talk with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with experience. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. Express yourself. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm jerry ors and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we were talking about the films national parks adventure and snow time and right now we're going to talk to Kiefer about the children's grammy nominees the grammys were yesterday so let's talk about them Kiefer, how are you doing? I am just peachy. Thank you very much, Jerry. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. So you actually got the pleasure to meet every single nominee in the children's category, right? I did. This is my third year going to the children's Grammys. It's always a pleasure to be there. Beth is always amazing. She helps coordinate. Tracy, it's a great event, and I'm just pleasure to always be there. So can you tell us a little bit about the Grammy nominees for kids, for people who don't know? Well, this year was, we had a great lineup of nominees this year from from we had Jose um, Luis or Orozco. I make sure I pronounce his last name right. He did a bilingual album. It was a album that was both had songs both in English and in Spanish. So as a kid like me who was able who was in Spanish one class, it was great to listen to his album to help me teach to learn Spanish. And that was a great album. It's, it's upbeat. It has a lot of Latino and different co- and Caribbean music. One of them was from Molly Ledford and Billy Kelly, which was Trees. And it, again, it's about trees. I mean, it's very calming, very soothing. I mean, I can go on with these nominees. One of them also was uh, Gustavo Yellow Gold's Dark Pie Concerns. This one is like a whole track of music videos. They're hand-drawn animation with the music as the background telling a story. It's cute. It's about different types of 
cooking, pies, onions, Kakenstein home, which is by, which eventually Tim Kubart won actually the the award for his album Home, which is about at home escapades, about how you can take little things, little adventures at home and make a good time, like creating breakfast or putting on a show for your parents. And finally, we have uh, Loy Henriquez. She did How Great Can This Day Be, which is a jazz type of music, um, jazz album. And she was absolutely amazing to talk to. So those are the five nominees I got through. Interviewed all of them. And every one of them was just humble and just absolutely wonderful entertainer, uh, performers and musicians. Whew. Nice job. Now, each album has a very detailed and long process about being made. Did you learn anything about those processes? Oh, definitely. Especially since a lot of, quite a few of these musicians were independent musicians. The hard thing with any independent artist, whether it's filmmaking or musicians, is just getting your name out there and being able to just promote your album a lot. In fact, I was I well, before the interview. I said uh, I talked to uh, Molly and Billy Kelly for Trees. I said, I listened to your album, I think it's absolutely amazing. And I and they said to me, well, we're glad somebody listened to the album. And to be honest, that's kind of sad because more people need to listen to these type of albums because they are, they are fun albums. They're great for children to listen to. You learn a lot of things, whether it's cooking, Spanish, or just about trees, it's fantastic. So my this segment I want to make sure people know is that please go check out these wonderful artists because they work hard with these songs and they, they do put their passion all into creating these songs for children. And they treat I, they really do treat this very seriously, but they also have a lot of fun doing it. I definitely agree with you on that. It's just sad how many independent artists that made such great content and nobody sees it, like the Trees album and a lot of other films and paintings and everything. It's just sad, and I'm glad to see that a lot of them are getting recognized now. Now, Kiefer, do you have a favorite song? Okay, that's unfair. <laughs> I mean, I interviewed all of them, and each album has my favorite, uh, has a great song I want to talk about. Um, from home, it's got to be Breakfast Time. Uh, sorry, Breakfast Club. It's, I love that one. It's one of my favorite ones because I was listening to this with a friend of mine, Kate, and she listens to this radio show and she's gonna, she's gonna kill me for talking about this, but we were listening to the albums to get together and she said to me, are there any children's songs that are not upbeat? And so we pulled out the album Trees and we were listening to it and it's calm and soothing. I told her, take that. We have a different variety of children's albums. So we spent the whole day listening to them. Kakenstein's one of my favorites for Gustavo Yellowgold because it's, it's about him creating this creation, this Kakenstein. And Kakenstein, all it wants to do is just, just party out and just be a party animal. Come Bien, Eat Right by Jose Orozco. I believe, I think my favorite one was... Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to... Yeah, Come Bien is the, the main song, which he, I got a live performance with that one in the interview, which was fantastic. So it was an absolute pleasure to meet all these artists. And I can't pick my favorite one out of all of them because they're... Every one of them was just fantastic. You're listening to Kiss First Common Attractions on the Voice America Network. And today we are going to talk about Zoolander 2. And we talked about National Parks Adventures, Snow Time. And right now we're going to talk to Kiefer more about the Kids Grammy nominees. And Kiefer was just talking about how he really doesn't have a favorite, which is fair because all those songs sound just beautiful and fantastic, nicely done. But with songs, there are also music videos. And you mentioned that one of the songs had self-drawn music videos. Is, was that your favorite? Do you have other favorite music videos? This one was Gustavo Yellowgold with the DVD I got. He's a cartoonist and he draws pictures that go along. Uh, we draw a little, yeah, I'll call them little shorts that go along with the song. So that one was a fun one. But also we have uh, Loy Henriquez, who her music video was just shapes with the uh, jazz music behind it. So I talked to her about the interview. I, when I interviewed her, we, she talked about how her brother did the art for that music video. And he just took the construction, the colorful paper, slapped it on the table. His wife is there in the room and he says, I'm going to make something amazing. And you got that wonderful video from Lloyd. So uh, all of them have just great music videos again. It's funny how stuff starts, starts like that. You're just going to start it and then it becomes this beautiful, gorgeous creation that everybody loves. And did you learn anything else about like the songs or the albums or anything else? Let's see. I learned from many of these artists the writing process is a lot from just their own personal experience and just what they do in everyday life. And again, a lot of this stuff came, a lot of these songs came naturally. And that's what's great about it. It's Morgan Taylor, who was the creative guest for Yellow Gold, was talking about how he created this peculiar, peculiar character. 
And it just came natural. It's just he was writing these songs, these other songs when he was doing his other performances and other bands. And it just came to him. Same thing with trees. He w- They were just walking down the streets and they always felt like the trees were looking at them because they had to get an album out soon and they thought, well, how are those songs coming? And the trees were just staring at them. So I think another thing came that I learned is just music comes, if you're really passionate and you really feel the music, it just comes natural. And that's the best type of music. I definitely agree with you on that statement. And what do you think is the best part of each album? Like, do you think it's the music, the music videos? What do you think is the best part? Actually, I think the best part of this whole event, actually, is that all this, all of these performers just come together and perform for the children. Oh, actually, this is a charity benefit, and it actually goes to the Symphonic Jazz Orchestra Music in Schools. It serves three th- about to 3,400 students with a... Uh, in diff- in the LA in the LA County. So I think actually what's the best thing about this whole event is that these performers are able to come along and perform to children, these live performances, which are always amazing, all in the name for making sure that other that ch- other children can be given the opportunity to play music. And this came from from me who goes uh, who used to live in a county where we had a lot of band but we knew that other counties didn't have any, not one band program. No jazz, no color guard, no wind ensemble. And to that's almost unreal to think about because children need to be exposed to music. I mean, you may not do that in your career. I'm certainly not going to be a trumpet player when I, beca- when I grow up, but... It's nice to have the ability to play trumpet with my sibling, with my brother, who also played in a band. So that's the best thing that comes from this band, in my opinion. That's very good for them to not only award younger people on their fantastic, beautiful songs, but also to give so much money to charity and allow for other people to be a lot more to have a lot more items, to have a lot more opportunities. That is very good for them. Now, many songs have different morals. Do you Did any song stick out for you because of its morals or its message? Morals or message? Well, Come Bien, Eat Right, the whole message in the album is to have a nutritious meal. And that's especially important for, for our society, to have a nice nutritious meal. It's They talk about snacks, water, the importance of water, milk. There's even a whole thing about chocolate and fresh salad. I, I actually, with the award winner, winner Tim Kubart home, I think it's fun because I like to enjoy the simple things at life. And it's nice to have to have an album to show how exciting and adventurous life can be just at home. It's putting on a show for your parents, making breakfast, or ha- or getting a new new baby brother. It's or chores. They even make chores fun uh so that's the living messages in these albums are, are always great especially in trees we had, i talked we we like to talk about in the in the interview what they want children to gain from the albums and and trees one of them when uh molly said she just wants people to be more aware of life and just be more aware of what's around them and that's and in this album, it's Trees. Well, thank you so much for talking to me all about the Grammy kids and all of that. Kiefer, where can we find more information about all these wonderful people? Well, you can go check out the albums. Just look up these albums, Trees, Gust of a Yellow Gold, and all these albums you can get from online. And also just look up Children's Grammys. Also check out the Symphonic, there'll be a symphonic, the Symphonic Jazz Orchestra. Please go check that out and donate it, donate to the, this cause. I will also be getting a video up very soon that will have the interview, all the interviews and all the coverage of the children's Grammy very, very soon. So go check that out on on kidsfirst.org. Like Kiefer said, check all that out. Thank you so much for talking to me about the Kid Grammys nominees. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orse, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You from Encircle Entertainment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. 
All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Join us every week for the Paper Hope Street Team. None of our topics are off the table. This is a program that you can listen to and discuss with your family. From the pages of the Paper Hope blog to the Internet radio airwaves, we'll talk about the topics you want to talk about, such as friendship and relationships, or some more controversial issues about sex, drugs, and underage drinking. Join the Paper Hope Street Team live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. Let's talk soon. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the Tech Team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back to kids first coming attractions i'm your host keeper blake sleep we just got done talking about the children's grammy we also talked about the national park imax show and also snow time right now since i can get my words together we're going to be talking to Lainey about Zoolander 2, the sequel to Zoolander. So, Lainey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm a bit out there. My, my brain is going 5,000 miles an hour right now, so excuse me for not immensely my words. But let's get into this interview, shall we? Have you, well, first of all, have you seen the first Zoolander? Mm-mm, I haven't, but I will... I thought that the second one was pretty funny. Well, let's get into that. So, going into the movie theater, not knowing anything about Zoolander, what were your first impressions about it? Well, I thought that it was, you know, like I said, pretty funny, except for, you know, it wasn't my type of humor, but I feel like a lot of other people would enjoy this movie. While I was in the audience, there was a whole lot of people who laughed, and there was, like, a whole lot of cameo appearances. Yeah, I saw the trailer, and I want to see it very badly, and I heard so many cameos. However, mm-hmm. I'm seeing from critics that this film has more celebrity cameos than actual funny jokes. Now, that's a ooh, that's a slap in the face from this movie, and I hear it's not really... It didn't live up to the last film's expectations. So, uh, do you agree with that comment? Well, given that I haven't seen it, you know, I don't really know for sure, but I've heard from a lot of other people that it didn't live up to the first one. Just, you know... It wasn't as funny, and the script writing wasn't as good. But I personally enjoyed it. Well, I think that other people would enjoy it. And I, I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't my type of humor, so. Well, understood. It's a lot of modeling satire, which made the first one absolutely amazing. But we're talking about the second one. Now, mm-hmm. we have some great comedians in this film. We have Owen Wilson, we have Ben Stiller, and of course, the amazing Will Ferrell. Talk about the, the acting from them. Well, I thought the acting was over the top, and that's kind of what made this movie pretty funny. So Derek Zoolander, who is Ben Stiller, well, he's just like this crazy, famous, you know, like, model. And in the second movie, you know, he is kind of just hiding away in his house, and so he decides to come out and do this fashion show. But I thought that his acting was amazing, and he he made this movie enjoyable, and... um. Hansel, played by Owen Wilson, also did a pretty good job with acting. And I thought that Derek Zoolander and Hansel were, well, the relationship, like, between them, like, as friends was pretty cool. Yeah, I, 
I love Owen Wilson. I think he's a, he's funny, hilarious, and Ben Stiller, especially since he directed this film. I feel like he's a very good comedic director, especially and also non-comedic. He's also done Walter Mitty. He directed that, and it's nice to see him in a director's chair. I mean, is he revolutionary director? No, but I feel like when he does get into the chair and he gets into the directing position, he knows what he's doing, especially since he's been an actor for this long. So let's talk about since the humor is not particularly your type of humor. What is the humor for? Who do you think would enjoy this type of humor? Well, I think that, well, just in the audience, I feel like teens to adults would enjoy the humor most because they would understand it. And I feel like kids who are under the age of 10 may not understand a lot of this humor. But I feel like it could be a little offensive to some people. Some of the jokes could be kind of offensive to some people. Offensive how? Like, I guess they just made fun of, you know, like, plus sizes and other things, too. I see. Especially since it is modeling film looks and those type of jokes would be made in this type of film, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, A bit edgy, but some comedies can get away with it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's talk about what your favorite scene in this movie was. Well, there was many funny scenes, but my favorite scene was when Derek Zoolander decide well, Derek Zoolander and Hansel decide to um, do a fashion show, and the only reason Derek is agreeing to it is to try to win back his son, and so they go into this fashion show with, like, the biggest, you know, like, place around, like, the biggest modeling agency around, and so it's, like, this really big honor, and so they go on stage, and, like, so they're just made a total, like, a laughing stock, and they get prune juice thrown on them. So I feel like that scene is really funny. Sounds like it, especially. So, now, this film, it has a lot of cameos in it, as we mentioned before. And I saw a trailer, and I couldn't stop laughing when I saw Benedict Cumberbatch dressed up in his little get-up there, and he says, all is all. And just, so that got me excited to see the celebrity cameo. So what would you say is your favorite cameo in this film? Well, I don't really have a favorite cameo, but I feel like they're all just... Well, I feel like there are, like, a lot of cameos, and it could be just a little overwhelming because you're, you know, like, looking for the people. Because once I saw, like, you know, like, three cameos, I was, like, looking for them, and it could have been a little distracting. But Mm -hmm. I... I've really, I enjoyed most of the cameos. Uh, the standouts, well, obviously Justin Bieber, because he had, like, you know, like, he was in it for a lot longer than a lot of other people. Oh, lovely. That that Justin Bieber cameo, though. I heard, when I was, when I saw it, it was absolutely, uh, my, my friends went nuts over it. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. We just talked about Snowtie, the National Park, IMAX, and also the Children's Grammys. We're going to be t- continuing talking about Zoolander now, I feel like comedy is the hardest genre to convey, well, in, any, in anything, literature, movies. So, what to you creates a good comedy? So, I feel like a good comedy would just... Well, I feel like this comedy was funny, but again, like how I said that, like, um, the, the jokes were a little offensive to some people, like... Obviously, it wouldn't be offensive to all people, but some people, it could have been, like, a little more offensive than others. But all in all, I feel like the humor is enjoyable, you know? Like, if you just wanted to go see this movie with, like, some friends, I feel like you would actually enjoy this movie and just, you know, like, be able to sit back and relax and not have to really think about the movie, which is kind of nice. So that's, well, this sounds like an interesting type of comedy in this film. What would you say is the, since I understand that comedy is not really for you in this type of film, and that's totally understandable. I don't particularly like Adam Sandler comedy, so that might be a tea, but I know people who absolutely adore Adam Sandler. So what would you say was the, to you, the joke that really made you laugh? Well, there was many jokes that made me laugh, but in my favorite scene, like I said, like when they threw the prune juice on each other, and there was a lot of funny scenes between Derek and Hansel where they were just, you know, like having like, I guess like since they were like really close friends, I guess they were just like, you know, the faces, like the poses and the faces and like apparently like, well, in the first movie, um, Derek was able to like, with his look, like make a knife go away from his face or whatever. So I guess, yeah, you know, like a funny scene was that, like, Hansel was, like, trying to get him to be able to do that again. And so he was, like, throwing a whole lot of stuff at his face, but he wasn't able to do it, so that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's the inside joke from the people who have seen Zoolander. But uh, did you feel like you were able to enjoy the the story of this film, especially since they're 
since the trailers seemed like there was a lot of inside jokes in the previous films, were you able to enjoy it just fine? Yeah, I feel like I was able to enjoy this film. I mean, it was like the plot did get a little off track at times, but I feel like it was still, you know, like it was still funny and I still enjoyed it. But other than that, I what feel like... What do you mean off track? Well, I guess just... Some of the scenes were just a little confusing, and maybe they, like, shouldn't have added it or whatever, but I feel like it, like, it didn't really take away from the movie that much. Well, there's all those moments. Yeah, the director wants the editor to put something in there, and may not, they personally like it, and sometimes there's those moments where, yeah, you could have pulled that scene. There are those moments in film. So, uh, this film seems like there's a lot of exotic locations. So what do you think about the cinematography in this film? Well, the cinematography was... Well, I feel like it was pretty standard, but I feel like the locations were pretty cool. And the backgrounds, especially the sets, I thought that the sets were pretty cool. But the visual effects of the movie, like, there wasn't really anything ordinary, like, extraordinary about the visual effects. And there are those films like that. Now, if there's anything in this film besides the comedy of, since we did talk about that, and we, what would you say, to, what would you change about this film, if any? I guess I would just change, basically, I would change some of the, you know, like, mean, well, like, offensive jokes. And I, I don't know, like, and also, like I said, like, those scenes that I might want to, like, you know, well, I feel like some of, like, the jokes were just fine. Like, most of them were absolutely fine anyway so i feel like just like when the movie got off track i guess i would try to get it more like you know not confusing understood now how many stars would you give this and what is the age range i would give this movie a 3.5 out of 5 stars because like i said it wasn't my type of humor but i feel like other people would definitely enjoy this movie and i would recommend this movie for ages 10 and up because well 10 to 18 because of the mild language sexual references and mature humor and I feel like if you were younger than 10, then you wouldn't understand this movie. Totally understandable. Well, thank you very much, Lainey, for talking about Zoolander 2. It's a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. And if you want to check out latest reviews and DVD releases, go check our website, Kids First Coming Attractions. Also, check out our YouTube page, Kids First. Also, our wonderful blogs that come out monthly. We have talked about different types of films. Willie Jones has a wonderful blog out there right now about the Oscars, so please go read that on our website. This show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You by N-Circle Entertainment. I'm Kiefer. We're pointing for Kids First. Thank you for listening. you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids.